God throughout the Old Testament, the 66 ancient documents that we call the Bible, was so much more concerned about how his people were treating the poor, how his people were treating the aliens, the foreigners in their land, than he was that they worshiped the right way. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit, because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Before we start the show, I have something to share with you. If you or someone close to you is suffering from a sense of anxiety or loneliness, the truth is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness affecting 40 million adults in the United States every year alone. And according to a recent study, more than 60% of Americans report feeling lonely, left out, poorly understood, and lacking companionship. This matters a lot because loneliness is stressful enough to raise all cause mortality by up to 30%. So I've written a free guide with 10 ways you can start to overcome anxiety and defeat your loneliness. Don't wait on positive emotions. Learn how to create them for yourself starting right now. You can grab the guide by heading over to drmartinfletcher.com. That's doctor spelled drmartinfletcher.com. Hey, good afternoon, Matt. How's it going, Marty? It's going great. Good to see you. Good to see you again. So I was looking at Facebook and you had a post that got some attention. I was hoping we could talk about that. And it's the one about all the division. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, I think he uses the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to, to launch this issue about lack of understanding between parties, between sides between enemies, intellectual enemies, maybe you'd say, or ideological opposites, and how much we have lost, it seems, in the social media era because we choose not to understand or reach across whatever proverbial aisle there is. Right, but this was going on long before this. This is just another thing that, that moves it forward, that division. Yeah, Don't you at agree? least that's what, that's what the guy was afraid of. But, you know, I've been watching this for a while and you've been watching it too, because we've got the same sort of divisions, lots of places, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, people tend to get lumped in to an entire group of people because of one idea that they have. And people tend to get labeled enemies, sadly, not to use such an intense term. That's what we disagree. I think enemy is about right because that's how people are treating each other because I'm seeing this myself in my, in my practice. Wow. You mean well. like people dealing with anger issues or? Well, well, it comes, sure, it, it leads to anger, but it, it's the ideas behind that. There is an other and the other isn't good. I am the good. I'm on the side of righteousness. They're on the side of, and you said evil. You, we may as well use that because that's basically the sentiment if they don't exactly use that. Right, right. That Cluelessness word. or... Uh, yeah, lack yeah, so of compassion, what, lack of understanding. I'm curious, where did this come from, in your opinion? And, and also, I would like it if we could both kind of talk about how to view the world through the Christian worldview, right? Yeah. Because I don't, I'm not sure that this is exactly, well, I'm sure that it's not, but you know, you're the 
you're the shepherd. You'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong about that. Hey, people have probably met a lot more pastors than they have psychologists. So I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure people want to hear from you. But then again, tell me, what's the impetus for this? Where is it coming from, and where is it going? Well, you know, I think within our country and within the last two decades, four decades, whatever you want to say, there's been an uptick, I think, in news in general. I think there's been an uptick in coverage of everything. Before social media, to write a comment on what somebody shared, you had to get a piece of paper out, a pen, and find an address and write a newspaper or a magazine to write a response to the editor of whatever article you wanted to engage with. Now that there's a comment section on virtually every social media, there is way more commentary, way more division. You know, I think the rise of postmodernism, which says there's no real truth, is a factor in that. We've been dealing with that in seminaries for the last 30 years, where all truth is equal truth. My truth is my truth. It's not your truth. There's not an objective reality out of which we can all name. And what's interesting about postmodernism is basically it says, everything sucks and don't ask me for the answer. Yeah, it's relativism. We've seen that as philosophic relativism or moral relativism too, and it's taken it to the next level. Yeah. Now, with a little bit of closer examination, you'll realize that that is a truth claim in and of itself. Right, right. right? It's, it's saying this is the worldview that is the truth, so therefore it is in a hierarchy. Right. It's not leveled out because if it's true, logically, then it's not true. If somebody says to me, there is no such thing as absolute truth. They're making a truth have- claim. All I have to do is say, now what you're absolutely saying yes. is there's no such thing as absolute truth. Okay, but what I've been, because I've been in that debate because I, I did my undergrad in the 90s, 1990s. Back in the 1900s. Ni- 1990s, yeah, not 1890s. And so I would answer that response. But what I'm finding right today is this. People aren't looking for a logical explanation and they're not looking to change their views. They've adopted an identity right? And I think part of it is because we have a meaning crisis right now. Christendom here in America is not as strong as it used to be. So the Christian worldview is either receding, being abandoned, or it's being replaced by a different view of Christianity. I agree with that when it comes to the public square. I think what it's forced churches to do is to be able to name who they are. And Jesus himself said, if you are the salt of the earth, if salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. I think that there's a lot of versions of Christianity or what we think is Christianity that is more cultural than it is biblical. And I think that a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, a lot of Christ followers, maybe we get so caught up in the culture that we lose a distinctiveness that we are called to maintain in the midst of culture. Jesus said you are in the world, but you're not of the world. I want to hear what you have to say. Can you contrast that with the kingdom of God values? Because what Christ told us, what what strikes me when I see this, especially when it starts getting into the church in certain ways, okay, is what, what, what Christ said in John 18, 36, where he said, my kingdom is not of this world, okay? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. 
Right. That's pretty powerful right now. If I, I want to meditate on that when I watch how people are treating each other right now, because I'm going to tell you the one thing that bothers me right now, and, and when I see it in patients, vis-a-vis politics, and not everybody is, but the ones mm-hmm. that are, I mean, that's their thing, right? That the, It's like injustice in the world and doggone it, I can't let go of it. And it makes them hate. Yeah. And if you're in the presence of true hatred, that's feels worse than the offense that they're complaining about. Mm-hmm. For instance, a politician makes a irresponsible statement or insensitive statement. Okay, that's not good. Or a lot of them. Or a lot of them, right? But the hatred that comes back mm-hmm. as they're talking about it is a possession of something else. Yeah. It's too much for the offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's equal to it. I think it's beyond it. You know, it's like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You are full of hatred. I have hatred for you. Except they don't equivocate like that because they don't realize they're doing it. Right, right. It's usually the hatred that they decry gets inside of them and it increases. And they're Mm. not even aware of it because it feels really justified. Right, right. Their hatred feels justified. Now, is I see that with hatred. I see that with judgmentalism. You know, people who consider other people hypocrites or cruel people will demonstrate the same cruelty and exclusion that they are butting up against. Yeah, there's, and, a, there's a word for that. And Christ talked about it. There's a word for that, isn't there? Hypocrisy? You know, yeah, yeah. The word hypocrite actually is, comes from a Greek word that means an actor. Uh-huh. Somebody who's not really that person, but is playing the part, pretending to be, but they're not mm-hmm. what they say they are, or they're not what they're acting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But sometimes I promise you it's on a subconscious level because I've done it before. Yeah. I've acted out on things that were not godly without even realizing it. And it mm-hmm. is like, especially let's say in anger or, you know, irrational sure. fear or something like that. So when I see people finger pointing right now, which there's plenty of things to point at, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. My first question is, have you really looked into yourself? Right? Yeah. Have you really asked yourself, is this coming from God or is it coming right. from something else? My wish for revenge or maybe my pride at look how good I am. Look what a good person I am and look how bad that person is in contrast. Yeah, it really does tie in with that judgment. Jesus himself said, before you get the speck out of your neighbor's eye, get the log out of your own eye. And I think when we see something that is wrong, legitimately so in someone else, oftentimes it's because we've experienced it in ourselves. Oh, that's how we know it. Right. That's how we're intimate that's with how we can it. spot it and then we name it, but we ignore the fact that it's in us. Matt, do you think it's easier to forgive people when we've actually acknowledged it in ourselves? So, oh gosh. Yeah. That's, that's the beginning of all of it. It's that's be- what Christianity is completely based on. Our theology is based on the act of forgiveness and our response of repentance for the fact that we are in desperate need of that forgiveness. The whole cross is the symbol of Christianity. It wasn't the empty tomb. It was the cross. It wasn't any other symbol, but the cross is the number one symbol for Christianity. And, you know, the two beams that make up a cross are a vertical connection, us with God, and a horizontal connection, us with other people. I think the problem is, is that so many people are prisoners to this unforgiveness. So many people are prisoners to one or two or three experiences of their own past. 
and they haven't gotten over it. And that seed of bitterness has turned into a giant forest of unforgiveness that they carry around with them, that we've got to help people to let go. And, and forgiveness does not mean saying what happened to me or what you did was okay. Forgiveness has nothing to do with qualifying in some way the wrong or the sin or the hatred that somebody else acted out that caused the whole need for forgiveness in the first place. Forgiveness, you have to be able to offer forgiveness without the other person, without waiting for the other person to acknowledge they even did anything wrong, or you're going to be a slave to that person. Yes. And another thing that helped me to forgive, which was not easy to do, was to realize that all sin is sin against God. Hmm. You know, when I read that in the scriptures, it made it easier because now it's not even really, it's nice if somebody, if I could try to make it right for somebody, sometimes they don't even know, they don't even remember. Yeah. Because I've apologized for things and I've had people go, I don't, you said that or you did that. And I don't know, but my conscience was wearing on me. Mm-hmm. If I could go back to something else though, that you said a minute ago, when you say we need forgiveness, I think that when people think that thought or, or say it, sometimes they mean you, like <laughs> you need forgiveness and you know, I'll, I'll ride along with you. It's really powerful to admit that, you know, I need forgiveness because I confessed something to you. I don't want to say it on the air. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. And I surprised myself by my reaction. It was so automatic first. And I said, and, and it took a, not too long before I go, this isn't right. This isn't from God. Yeah. This is not. So it's hard for me to judge people because I know how hard it is for me to just be on the way. It worries right. me that so many people are, are at odds with each other right now because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I worry that maybe they don't, they'll miss that. Well, I think people get so consumed by it. It becomes an idol in their life. It becomes the most important thing in their life to check my feed, to check what happened on CNN last night, to check what happened on Fox News last night. To, so I can get myself riled up for the day. It's a but, crazy way to live. But why? Is it their identity? Does it become their identity? I think it does. It bleeds over. Whatever you love, you become a lot like that. Yes. Yes. And, and so their idea is, I am the person who's going to go and get justice. I don't is know what it? they think. I mean, I know I can a, fall a into it. There's a range. I'm only seeing that to set up the next thing. How are we supposed to be in the world? How are we supposed to be in the world if we're going to follow, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to follow Christ and be Christ-like, because I think that that's, as far as I can tell, that's the, that's the one simple idea that if you get that down, that being a Christ follower means becoming like Christ. Mm-hmm. And at least it simplifies what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And, you know, being Christ follower, Jesus, I think it's, he's the most real way to go. You know, Jesus said, love matters. Jesus said, love your enemy, pray for the people who persecute you. That means there's an enemy. There are going to be people who persecute you. It's unrealistic to pretend that we all agree. It's unrealistic. It's phony. It's hypocritical to say, oh, we don't have a problem. There's no difference in us. And and he has called us to love your enemy in order to avoid bitterness, in order to avoid hatred, which does nothing but destroy us from within. I don't think that's the main thing Jesus calls us to be, but that's the way to go. The first two images that came to me were what Jesus says in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in Matthew chapter 5, where he says, you are the light of the world. And he says, a light should not be hidden under a bushel basket. 
it should be put up on a lampstand so that it sheds light for everybody to see. In other words, there's a clarity that comes for people who are listening to Jesus' words and who have owned them, who have put their faith in him, put their trust in him. You are the light of the world. And light exposes things. Light can warm things. Light can add color to things. Uh, it's a beautiful image. The other thing that he says right after that is you are the salt of the earth. And salt that loses its saltiness is good for nothing. But salt in that day was used as a preservative. That's how they stored anything, you know, like meat, especially they put it in salt. Salt adds flavor, you know, following God, following Jesus is not supposed to be tasteless. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be grim and dull and boring. It's supposed to add flavor. It's supposed to help to preserve, to bring out the, the best thing about salt is it brings out the natural flavor of the broccoli you're mm. eating. It enhances it. It doesn't take it over. And that goes through with whatever salt somehow wakes up your taste buds. Yeah. So you experience more Brussels sprouts right? or whatever you like. Yeah. And it, it, it sort of prevents perishing like perishables, right? Yeah. When we talked about food. So we'll all agree that justice is good because I'm careful that the people understand that we care deeply about people, right? Hugely. We're not saying don't pay any attention to suffering around the world. No, no, right. no. And, um, and God throughout the Old Testament, the 66 ancient documents that we call the Bible was so much more concerned about how his people were treating the poor, how his people were treating the aliens, the foreigners in their land, than he was that they worshiped the right way. Many of the prophets of the Old Testament said God was speaking through them saying, I hate your worship. I hate your music because you're walking by poverty, you know, on your way to the temple. Mm -hmm. You're completely ignoring it. You're saying, thank God that I'm not like them. But what, what is God's view of in the kingdom of God, if we're going to live by those kingdom values, it is justice without mercy? Because I'm seeing justice without mercy. And cancel culture means you're, you're banished or we're going to destroy you or you see this terrible anger mm. coming at other people and name calling and hatred. What, what's God's view of justice? Because we're off. We're missing the mark on that, I think. Right. In this culture. Right at least what we're seeing on TV, let's be clear about that. Like the, most people are very kind and gentle in my experience. They're very, you know. You know, we got to say something about the news and this has become one of my mantras over the mm. last five years. News is news because it's not normal. Right. Let me say that again. Say it again. News is news because it's not normal. It is not news that millions of people are going to work. Millions of people are taking care of their families. Millions of people are doing the right thing. That's not news. That's normal. What's news, by its very nature, news is unusual. It is not normal. But the problem is we think news is normal. And so we are freaking out because we are so inundated with news in our pockets, on our devices, on our phones. I mean, our phones in our pockets is what I mean. On TV, on the radio, we can barely get away from it. And a steady diet of that warps our view of reality. I agree with that. But let's call it by its name. I don't think it's news because I agree with you. It's not news is, is something that I hear and it's novel and I can make a decision on. What I'm seeing is activism and gossip 
Because mm-hmm. most of what I hear the people I know that get really angry, it's gossip. It's someone being defined by his or her enemy. And you're listening to it and you're believing it. And it's usually a character uh, attack rather mm-hmm. than a policy. Right. So, so it's not even news on that level. Yeah. Being de- Sorry, I'm noodling on the fact. You said people are allowing themselves to be defined by their enemy. Well, they're not even allowing it. They have no control. Right. Which is, I think, why Jesus said, love your enemy and pray for the people who persecute you. So you will not be defined by whatever it is that you are still hanging on to that you will not forgive them for. Yeah, that's good. And you're also not going to be manipulated by gossip. Right. Say more about gossip. Do you explain gossip from a psychological mm -hmm. viewpoint or a clinical experience that you've had? Have you had patients that you see who have been so sorry, challenged or unhealthy because of gossip that they need to call you as a psychologist to get help to get out of whatever pain they're in? Yeah. Well, first of all, the major anxiety disorder is social anxiety. We fear other human beings and we so long to be accepted to, mm-hmm. in order to feel safe. So it's very aggressive to bash someone's reputation right? To take their name and because what gossip it really is, if you think about it, it's like this, look, we're all good and bad. Let's humble ourselves, right? We've all done some good things. We've all done some bad things. Mm. Uh, to gossip is to focus on something real or even distort it from someone that they did and promote that about that person. It's a very loveless way of relating to another human being because the fact of the matter is these figures that people hate and some of them are celebrities and we're talking about politicians where, mm-hmm. I mean, they hate, they really feel disgust and anger towards that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's a real thing. They've never met them. They've only heard the gossip about them. And they say, but wait a minute, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. He or she said that. Well, you saw that in a context with some commentary after it. That's going to shape your interpretation and then lead you to judging another human being and ignoring yourself. Because everything that I've, that bothers me about other people I've seen, I've either done it before Wanted to do it or did something like it, right? On the same continuum, right? So for Mm -hmm. me to say, let's not look at me, let's look at that person and then come with that type of um, hatred, it makes me worry that the person might have some of that towards themselves. What are the psychological effects of that level of hatred clinically? Oh my goodness. It it actually kills. I mean, I'm not, it's not hyperbole. It actually kills because those are stress hormones. We know that angry people have more stress hormones. They have inflammation. It gets into their relationships because who wants to be around a person like that? Very few people will mm-hmm. tolerate that. They don't like themselves very much because of the shame that comes from thinking those dark thoughts. Physically, they're under stress and tension. You know, look, we do best when we, when our physiology's calmed down, our immune system's going great, our blood pressure's down, go to the opposite of that. And that's what anger is. Anger feels worse than any of the other emotions, I think. Mm -hmm. I'll choose sadness over anger any day. Matter of fact, people like to feel sad, right? They go to movies right. to cry because it's a relief. They love sad a- songs, torture. Ang- yeah, anger doesn't, it just stays with you. Can, an emotion wants to complete itself. Anger can't complete itself. It just grows. It's like a fire. You feed it some more. Mm-hmm. It's rage and feed it some more. You know, mm-hmm. you've known some bitter people and hard hearted people, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, some of them come across as soft spoken you know, marshmallowy type of people, but it's almost like they are passive aggressive. Is passive aggression a form of anger? 
It absolutely is. It's that way that I can take a shot at you and I have plausible deniability. Hmm. Like, oh man, I'm, I had a shirt like that when I was four. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, come on. You gave me so much hassle about that incredibly bright yellow shirt I wore last year. I'm still not over it. Okay. Well, but I forgave you. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, and I was ashamed and I repented until now. Oh, and I, yeah, I right. backslid and talked about that shirt. There you go. So the division that we're seeing, what, what, what I'm hearing from you, and I agree with this, is we're divided within ourselves too. Mm-hmm. As we point the finger at someone else and don't realize and humble ourselves, I think humility feels great. Yeah. If you can humble yourself and get that pressure off of you, you know, to be, mm-hmm. I, I've got to show myself this way. And it's, it, it's like admitting, it's like asking for forgiveness in and of itself. It has the same thing. It's like, hey, I'm not, I make mistakes, man. Right. There's Never nothing, surprises me. There's nothing more awkward than being in a social situation where somebody doesn't know their place. Say more about that. Oh, gosh. Whether you're at a party or whether you're in a business meeting or any kind of conversation where somebody is acting out of a way that they don't, that does not fit them. For example, you know, I do a lot of weddings once in a while and, and I keep a pretty tight thumb on the stuff like the wedding rehearsal. But there's some people who come to a wedding rehearsal thinking it's all about them. Oh, yeah. Whether yeah. they're a bridesmaid, whether it's one of the parents of the bride. And I can have great respect, but also I need to let people know in, in an attitude of humility, this is what we're doing and mm. this is not about you. Is it about the bride? You better believe it. Yeah. Whenever in doubt, face the bride. That's one of my rules because it is about her. Ostensibly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I, I get, I avoid bridezillas that way too. Yeah. You so, know, you know, one of the things that you've said three times that, that has hit me so hard is, is we're so angry at what we see in the other people. And I think Jesus said, that's the spec check. You're carrying a log around in your old eye, own eye, but it's this, and I don't remember who first said it, but I think you could Google it. The line between good and evil goes right down the center of the human heart. Sosanitsyn, Alexander Sosanitsyn. You're so smart. And I just read a lot. And you remember it. I'm, I don't have a lot of friends, so I just go to books. <laughs> books well, make I you agree smart. with that. I mean, you're making a great point. The last thing that I would like to know from you is this. Okay, because we want to do something and people, and first things you've already said, and mm-hmm. let's look inside. Right. Take this. See if you've got a log in your eye before you do that. One thing that that will help do is it will help you relate to the. It doesn't mean don't don't do anything, but certainly it it raises compassion. If I realize I've done that, then that can't be a monster. Because right. okay, I'm not a monster. I do that. I understand how it could happen because you know first it's disbelief. Mm-hmm. Like how could he say that? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I do know how he could say that. Right. I said that. You know, yeah. I get it. Right. At least in my own mind. Right. So that can kind of begin to soften the heart. But what what should our view of justice be? Because what I'm seeing with the justice without mercy is this: the view of justice from some of these folks that are really loud and proud about all this stuff is I want them. I want to punish them. I want to destroy them in some way. I want them to feel pain. Yeah. What's What's God's view of justice? God's view of justice. God is just. God's view of justice is you get what you deserve. And. I, God's view of mercy is you deserve this, but I'm not going to give that to you. Out of mercy, I'm going to spare you the full consequences of your actions. Grace is giving me what I don't deserve. Unconditional love and acceptance and life. and Right, right. Because I I sure haven't earned it by the way I look at how I sometimes treat my wife or my family. You know, I'm selfish. I don't 
put myself out and do stuff when I need to. I just, I'm lazy a little bit, you know, to have a good self, a good realistic self understanding. Yes. So I want to operationalize that because I think it's really, really good. So I'll see how I'm doing because I do try to do that, Mm -hmm. which is this. Okay. Justice. We get what we earn, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've never gotten away with anything. I don't know about you. I've always paid a price for screwing up, right? So if I know that about the other person, that has helped me to not want to condemn someone. Mm-hmm. If anything, I can have a little bit of compassion to go, uh, I know where this is going. Yeah. You know, keep lying, keep doing that stuff, keep, you know, wrecking relationships. So I don't have to, it helps me not want to punish them, right? Mm-hmm. Because I realize their they're, justice is always done. Leave it to God and it will happen. That's right? really true. That's a whole nother session we got to get into. Yeah, for sure. And then the mercy, say, say that again, because I really like that. Mercy is though you deserve something severe, I am going to not yes, complete that. So my attitude towards if it's a politician, whatever it is, okay, mm-hmm. yes, you did it. But there is a way back. There is a way back for, for you, right? Yeah. yeah. You can, which, there's redemption. Which takes an extraordinary amount of effort sometimes from us. It does. That's why I like to look at myself, as you know, disappointed sometimes. Right. We should be offended by a lot of what we see or a lot of what we hear. There is and there's a lot of offensive stuff going on. To not be offended at some of the things that are going on in our world today would be completely inappropriate. For sure. But I watch Christ, though, all the way to the cross, even. Now, mm-hmm. if you're not going to get mad at the people who are humiliating you and torturing you, you, you're, you have a different way of being, right? Yes. And it, it was this. I, he felt bad that they didn't know the way. Forgive mm-hmm. them. They just don't know. And most of the bad stuff, I don't think it comes from malice. I think it comes from ignorance. I really do. I did not know the good. I thought I knew the good. Yeah. And, I, and sometimes I still think I know the good. And then I surprise myself by going, oh, man, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That was a mm-hmm. bad thought, you know? Yeah. There's power in teaching, too. Let's say that more. To be taught what's good. We, I think, have dropped some of the emotive elements. C.S. Lewis wrote, it's not a thick book, but it's a thick book because it's hard to kind of wrap your minds around. The idea, it's called The Abolition of Man written in the 1940s or maybe early 50s. And it's the idea that we have abolished right thinking and right feeling about certain things. Like, for example, we mock patriotism and then wonder when an enemy, and he's writing from Great Britain right after World Mm -hmm. War II. We mock patriotism and then we wonder why no one's around when we need to defend ourselves. Mm. Or we we mock chivalry and then wonder why women are mistreated. But what does mock mean? It means to divide, set ourselves apart, ourselves apart. We set ourselves apart and we take them to be well, I'm saying the pejorative term, right? It, yeah. The society mocks those things. Yeah. And we shouldn't be. They reflect some good part of how God is inviting us to walk with him, to care right. about other people. But I'm a pragmatist. Yeah. I always, whenever I hear you say something like that, I go, okay, what would that look like if I could do it? And I think right. that just, how about just don't mock? There you go. Because I can't think yeah. of it in one situation where that's going to help anything. Mm-hmm. And what he says, his famous quote from there, one of them, is that what we have done with our value systems is we have created and. He says, men without chests. We've created people without chests who have a sense of virtue that can control what they're thinking or that can control you know, their, their gut reaction and what they're feeling. And it's, it's this sense of we've created people with stomachs 
who just go after their passions, blah, 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 blah. We've created an intellect, a cold, hard intellect. But both of those, C.S. Lewis says, need to be led by our chests, you know, our heart, our understanding of, of right and wrong, of how people need to be treated, of when there's a system that needs to be dismantled, of when there's things that need to be put in place for the good of everybody who's a part of that society or that people. That's really good, Matt. Well, it's C.S. Lewis. That's why it's really good. <laughs> we are all over the map today. I don't think so. I think that what we're talking about is division, and we're talking about people being at odds with people. We're talking about how God loves unity. Mm-hmm. And the obstacles to unity. You know, interestingly, because you're talking all around one of the most famous passages in the Bible that gets quoted by Christians and Jews and non-Christians as well. And it's from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. And Micah, chapter 6, verse 8 says, what does God require of us? And Micah 6, 8, he says, he has told you, O human, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Just those three things? Those three things. If you could just do those three things 80% of the time, imagine the world. Imagine just your life, right? Now, I think that the way that you do that is this. We will get distracted. I'm convinced that the good is not on the outside, Mm -hmm. right? And I have to find it and follow it. But I, I don't have it naturally. Right. So I have to practice these things every day. Like this Mm -hmm. conversation right now, I feel like I'm straightened out again, but I will get lost through fatigue or I'm too busy or why have I not been doing devotions Mm -hmm. or something like that. Before I know it, I'm out in the weeds and we'll have to come back. It's an ongoing process. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's like breathing. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because breathing is sometimes automatic and sometimes you you can control it. Right. right? We have to continually breathe in the good air yeah walk in the spirit Mm -hmm. right walk Mm -hmm. with god okay hey can you pray us out matt i would love to gotta thank you so much for a chance to have a conversation around responses to tough issues responses to the way our world seems to be going lord it'd be so easy to cave in and freak out over everything that's going on and everybody's angry responses one way or the other toward it and i pray lord that you would just break in. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would enable us to experience what it's like to be forgiven by us coming to you and simply asking in humility, not just to excuse us for the excusable parts of us, but to forgive us for the inexcusable things that we do, things that we think, things that we say, things we don't do, that we know in our heart of hearts you would want for us and for this world. Lord, for the angry people, I pray, God, that you would somehow bring peace and that you would speak to their hearts, Lord. You can't be that angry unless you're so torn up inside. And and I pray, God, that you would begin mending people. And I pray that you would begin with us at the same time, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next week, Matt. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.